You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host of the show, Nicholas Falato, and today we will be touching on the Giants' 17-13 loss to the Cleveland Browns, while also talking about some of the young quarterbacks around the league and how they're performing, because I think it's really, really interesting. We have five rookie quarterbacks who look like they could provide value in terms of fantasy football. Mac Jones, not 100% certain when he's going to play with Cam Newton as the starter for the New England Patriots, but I am really psyched about Justin Fields and Trey Lance, the potential that they have in terms of fantasy football. And Zach Wilson has looked pretty solid in preseason. And then there's Trevor Lawrence on a team that is just going to be trailing quite often down there in Jacksonville, Florida. So we're going to get into that in the second half of this episode. But first, I want to talk about this Giants team, the second preseason game, which was treated a lot like a fourth preseason game. We did not see any starters. We only saw a little bit of key players like Xavier McKinney, who played a series, Darnay Holmes, who played two series, young players, 2020 rookies who were just going to get their feet wet. But we did not see any Matt Parrott, Andrew Thomas. We did not see a lot of the very valuable players that the Giants will be relying on because according to Joe Judge, and I do believe he's right on this assessment, the Giants are on a short week. They have to travel up to New England, and it's going to be a quick turnaround where they're going to have two more joint practices, only this time with the New England Patriots. And I think this is going to give Joe Judge a, uh, I guess you could say a warm and fuzzy feeling that he's going back up to New England because it seems like he's going to be a little bit less conservative with these injured players because he trusts Bill Belichick, the New England coaching staff, and the New England team to not go out of their way to maybe take a cheap shot on a player. I don't know what that says about the Cleveland Browns, but it seems like we're going to see Saquon Barkley, at least in the joint practices. I don't know if it's going to be in the hitting portions of it, if it will just be on the 7-on-7, but it's just good news to know that You know, the former second overall pick from 2018 should be seeing the field for the New York Giants. It's still not certain if this guy is going to be fully ready for week one. Maybe we'll see a little bit of him, but I think we're going to see a lot more Devontae Booker, a lot more Corey Clement, unless he starts taking some hits. I mean, I, I... not 100% certain he's going to play in this preseason game. I would not be shocked if he doesn't. It's preseason, and you want to be really, really judicious with how you bring Saquon Barkley back from injury. But the fact that he's going to be practicing in joint practice sessions team on team, I think is definitely a step in the right direction. It's something that a lot of us are looking forward towards. So it's going to be a big week for the New York Giants up in New England on this short turnaround, as Joe Judge called it. And then we have next week, obviously, the game against the New England Patriots, which will be the last preseason game, which should be treated as a dress rehearsal for week one, which is at home against the Denver Broncos, a good defense great defensive mind as their head coach in Vic Fangio. 
So in this New England game, we should be seeing Daniel Jones, Matt Pear, Andrew Thomas, and all the players that interest us. And I really want to see Daniel Jones in a preseason game just because, as I've said on other platforms, Daniel Jones isn't fully proven yet. Now he has another year under his belt in this Jason Garrett offense. He may not have his first round pick wide receiver Kadarius Toney or the big free agent acquisition Kenny Galladay because he's still nursing that hamstring injury in this New England Patriots game but it would still be nice to see him in live reps where he can actually get hit hopefully this offensive line does not allow him to get hit but let's dive into this Browns game real quick look a lot of backups I still think there's some stuff that we can take away some positives some negatives especially since this roster is going to have to be cut down again there are already one round of cuts and it's going to have to get down to the 53 again and Yes, there's going to be an extensive practice squad again, but a lot of these players may get picked up by other teams if they're released by the New York Giants. And this is the first time in a long time the Giants have had a situation where there's depth. I swear, it just I've been following the Giants my entire life, and obviously during the Super Bowl years, it was a deep roster for the most part. And then these last nine to well, basically ten years, it hasn't been as deep, especially in the last six years. Jerry Reese, the drafting wasn't excellent. A lot of, you know, those fourth to sixth round picks never really materialized into anything. And now for the first time in a while, it seems like the Giants actually have depth at a lot of positions. Still need some more depth, I would say, at linebacker, offensive line, obviously, which is still concerning, even though they played a lot better against the Browns and they get, did against the Jets, and then tight end, because we saw Rice and John, who had a great game, he had a great game, he had two big catches up the seam, and then he ended up getting hurt with about 14 seconds left, he went down in the week one of preseason, Cole Hikatini went down, Levine Toilolo tore his Achilles early in the training camp portion of this season and now the Giants are looking at the tight end position you're like okay is Kyle Rudolph coming back soon there are rumors that he is but we haven't seen him on the football field yet and then you're left with Evan Ingram and Caden Smith and then a bunch of players that aren't necessarily proven quite yet and players that weren't going to make the roster but may have to now since Jason Garrett has such a propensity to run 12 and 13 personnel packages something that may take a step back this year because of all the additions the Giants made at wide receiver But it's still something that I feel like the Giants could upgrade, that tight end position, especially if Rice and John is injured. But this game overall, I mean, I want to first just talk about Kevin Stefanski's opening script. I mean, he's one of the best play callers in the National Football League. It was a fourth down touchdown on the drive, and I felt like the Giants' defense really hunkered down in the red zone. Madre Harper, who ended up getting beat on that fourth down touchdown play, used poor technique there, but two plays before that, he ended up knocking a ball away on a slightly, I guess you could say, underthrown ball. It probably should have been a little bit more outside from Case Keenum, but it ended up being a touchdown anyways on fourth down. But Kevin Stefanski, man, the plays he was running, he would show, you know, stretch zone. And then he would run play action, boot off of that. And then he'd run end around off that. And it seemed like on every play, the Giants defense, granted, mostly second teamers, were just guessing and just way out of position trying to over-pursue plays that were misdirection. And it reminded me of when the Giants lost to the Browns on that Monday night football game late in the season last year. Yes, James Bradbury did not play in that game, Giants star cornerback, but the defense was still kind of taken to task by Stefanski's offense, who's just an excellent play caller, disguises plays so well. That offensive line with Bill Callahan as their offensive line coach is just 
excellent, and I felt like that opening script was just indicative of how talented Kevin Stefanski is as a play caller, something that we've seen regular season, saw it here in this preseason game. But then on that second drive from the New York Giants, look, Devontae Booker had six carries, 27 yards, and that touchdown where he went over the pile. Mike Glennon looked a lot better than he did in joint practices, a lot better than he did against the New York Jets, hit Rice and John up the seam. I felt like the offense and just the philosophy throughout the game was very similar to what we saw in 2020. A lot of GH counter, which is backside guard pulls, H-back pulls, usually Caden Smith. He's an absolute dog on those plays. A lot of inside zone type of runs as well. Play action boot, spacing concepts, slant flat, a lot of double Y jet sweep, which we saw I think twice in that game. I think the Giants, I think it was a double Y uh, jet sweep, which is double Y means two tight ends on one side, basically putting the cornerback as a a primary force defender with two big guys on that one side, and then you run jet sweep from the backside to that side. It sometimes gives an advantage and puts the cornerback in a tough position to make a play, a tackle on the football. We saw that, I think, twice, and the Giants opened the game. I think it was double Y with CJ Board there. And he picked up a first down. It was a solid run. I felt like the offensive line, this backup offensive line, was blocking relatively well, which was good to see because they were a disaster against the New York Jets. So there were some positives to take away from that. I mean, I really hope none of these Giants offensive linemen, the starters, and they don't get injured. And uh, to be honest, none of those guys are even proven. So that just kind of speaks to the overall depth of the Giants offensive line right now. It's not a great situation. Throughout the other game, just some other players that jumped out on me on the offense and the defense. David Sills, wide receiver from West Virginia, continues to impress. He had the push off, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Contested catch, touchdown, pass. I thought that was an excellent play from him, and the steady drum beat just keeps on getting louder and louder, but I'm just not 100% certain if he's going to be able to make the roster if he can't provide value better than a lot of these other special teams players, because you know Joe Judge, you know basically every NFL team, they look for players who can provide value if they're not primary players at their position outside of that position, and David Sills, they tried him out at Gunner. He did a solid job getting inside and, and, uh, and Forcing, I believe it was a fair catch along with other gunners on that play, CJ Board in particular. But CJ Board is probably a little bit better than David Sills at that. And then you got uh, Kayon Croson as well, the kid that they acquired, traded a six round pick for from the Texans. I mean, he's somebody that is excellent on all special teams on punt coverage, on kick coverage, and he also does a solid job as a jammer on punt returns. So he's somebody who could earn a roster spot that not a lot of people are really discussing as of right now. So players like that make it a little bit more difficult for Sills to make this roster, but I'm not going to be shocked if Sills makes this roster because Kenny Galladay is nursing a hamstring, because Kadarius Toney is dealing with some sort of injury, and because he's had a great training camp, but it just would be better for his chances to crack the roster, the 53, if he had a little bit more special teams value. And then on defense, I thought Raymond Johnson really stuck out as well. He just looks gigantic, as does Rice and John. Hopefully he's okay out there on the field. Raymond Johnson was creating pressure, as was David Moa. David Moa, I mean, uh, we just talk wax poetic about him. Six foot three, 275 pound guy who could be trying to make a case to crack this roster. It would be very difficult for him to crack the roster with Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, BJ Hill, Austin Johnson, Danny Shelton. It's the deepest, more than likely the deepest position at 
for the New York Giants is the defensive line. And this is a he's a different kind of build, six foot three, two hundred and seventy-five pounds, a similar type of build to Nico Lalos, who is probably destined for the practice squad, but maybe Moa could steal that spot from Lalos. And then there's Ifedi Odenabo. He's another player that hasn't jumped out quite yet. I got to maybe dive into the nitty gritty of the film a little bit more to see how he's being utilized because, you know, the all 22 with game pass is just an absolute disaster right now. But, you know, Moa keeps making this this decision be hard for the New York Giants if they want to try to release him and even squeeze him on the practice squad on their team. If you release a player, you try to get him on the practice squad, any other team, all 31 other teams can claim him onto their active roster and then you lose him. And that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the catch 22 to that. Yes. You want to keep him. He's a young player. You want to develop him, but if somebody else wants him, then he's gone. That's what happened with Ryan Connolly in the Vikings last year. So Moa just had a great affair. I know everybody else at Big Blue View has been talking about him as well. A lot of these younger players, Rice and John, I thought Rodarius Williams had one or two really solid reps and was also picked on just a little bit, but uh, he's somebody that definitely has a chance to make this roster. Somebody there's been a lot of buzz about all throughout the offseason because he's been a really solid pickup as a six-round pick at another deep position for the New York Giants, the secondary, but he's competing with spot, uh, for spots like Josh Jackson, who the Giants just acquired from the Packers, and then guys like Sam Beal, who was beat pretty bad on in this game several times. I mean, Matt Cole, a wide receiver the Giants acquired recently on August 8th, was playing cornerback, and he wasn't targeted once. The Browns just focused on Sam Beal's side, and Sam Beal, the one time he actually had solid coverage off the line of scrimmage, he drifted his route and allowed the wide receiver to undercut him to make the catch, and that's just bad technique towards the latter half of the play. You can't have those types of things. Sam Beal, I mean, it just hasn't looked good for him, and his chances to crack this roster dwindle every time we get any sort of tape from him, so that's definitely not a positive whatsoever, and then I just thought it was good to see Gary Brightwell. It was good to see him. He caught a couple dump-offs, fourth and six, had a good catch in the flat, adjusted well to those passes, albeit they were simple passes. He was stuffed on the goal line, but that was really just a good play by the end man on the line of scrimmage for the Cleveland Browns. Not really too much he could have done from that. Maybe if he cut it back inside, he would have had a better opportunity, but it was played well by the Browns on that play, executed just better than the New York Giants. But I really want to bring him up because outside of Rodarius Williams right now, we haven't and Aziz Ojolari, who didn't wasn't really there today either because they dinged himself up, I believe, in practice, but everything's going to be okay with him. Outside of those two guys, we haven't seen these rookies. We, Kadarius Toney, we've hardly seen. Very concerning. Aaron Robinson, he's been on the pup. And Gary Brightwell, who is somebody who the Giants spent a six-round pick on. We hadn't seen up until this point. So you're talking about your first, your third, one of your six-round picks you haven't seen. And then Ellerson Smith, the fourth-round pick, we haven't really seen. So we're talking about the only guys we've really seen throughout training camp up until this point was Aziz Ojolari, who has been balling and doing well uh, throughout training camp, that is. And then Rodarius Williams, who was used all over the field in Patrick Graham's system with the second team, which I love to see. Boundary, slot, free safety. You know how much of a high priority this coaching staff puts 
on players who provide a lot of versatility. Rodarius Williams are at least attempting to give him that. So that's good. And just to see Brightwell was good, just because you want to see your rookies. I don't know of any other NFL teams that basically haven't seen like 80% of their rookies. <laughs> it's not great for the New York Giants from that standpoint, but it's still early on. We'll see what happens. But speaking of versatility, Carter Coughlin got in there, had a sack, which was great to see. O'Shane Zimenez also had a sack, but Carter Coughlin was being used on the edge just like he was in college with the Golden Gophers of Minnesota and last year for the Giants. And then he was also at linebacker. And I think overall he did solid. He had one bad series where it just did not look like he knew what he was doing. And he tried basically boxing out the wide receiver or the tight end around the seam about 10 yards down the field, didn't get his head around. It was a terrible technique from Carter Coughlin on that one play. And then there was another one where there was a tight end cross. He was a little late to react, gave up about a six-yard gain, might have been a first down pickup as well. But those types of things will kind of be cleaned up, I think. Athletically, he was carrying Demetric Felton, who's a great athlete out of UCLA, a rookie, down the field, which is great to see. So I think Carter Coughlin is doing a good job to earn himself a roster spot because he can wear so many hats for Patrick Graham's defense. We're covering this game really well over there at Big Blue View, so please check us out. Chris and Joe are putting out podcasts along with myself and the great Ed Valentine, so please download, subscribe, and listen to all of those. And before we get into some of these rookie quarterbacks, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So I want to talk about these rookie quarterbacks because for those of you who follow the podcast channel, remember last year I had Philado's Fantasy Corner and it's a podcast where I just basically talk a lot about fantasy football. I'm going to implement that into this episode right now with these rookie quarterbacks, a lot of whom are going undervalued at the moment because one of the keys to fantasy football is quarterbacks who have that high rushing floor. And a lot of these young legs, they have it. A lot of them showed it as well in the second week of preseason. Trevor Lawrence has not played yet. He's playing Monday Night Football against the Saints. I would say in his first preseason game from the little bit that I did see, he had he was a little skittish with some of his throws and stuff like that, and he didn't read the defense all that well. But these are all things that are going to happen with basically every single one of these young quarterbacks. And I want to start with Justin Fields, quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Now, I know that comment was a little bit taken out of context. He said that the defense was slow 
uh, in his preseason game last week, and a lot of people kind of came at him about that. But if you listen to the entire quote, he was basically saying that just to applaud the defense that he faces in practice of the Chicago Bears. It was more like that, and then obviously you know how everything goes. Things get taken out of context. But regardless, he got absolutely obliterated on the field on a blitz that he didn't pick up. Ended up being a penalty. The guy's helmet basically went right into Fields' helmet, and then... (laughs) Fields' helmet popped in the air. It was not a great look, but that's neither here nor there. The Bears lost 41-15. They got trounced by the Bills. A lot of that scoring did happen early on. And Andy Dalton, you'll look at his stats overall. It was 11-17 for for 146 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. But I can tell you, it was mainly because he hit the rookie or the second-year wide receiver Rodney Adams for a 73-yard touchdown that really kind of helped pad his stats a little bit. And then I feel like down the stretch of the game before he came out in the second quarter, he had a couple solid drives, but he was really, really bad for about the first three drives of the Bears. And there was just huge applause when Justin Fields took the field in the second half. Fields finished 9 of 19 for 80 yards, but added 46 yards on the ground. And I just can't speak enough two people who want to talk fantasy football with me about how wise it would be to invest in Justin Fields and even Trey Lance because their ADPs right now, average draft position in fantasy is 142 and 149. That's where they're going according to fantasy pros. Now that's based off their overall and I know Trey Lance is the 20th quarterback coming off the board. Justin Fields is the 18th, and I get the hesitation because they're not the starters, but let's be real for a second. Do we honestly think that Andy Dalton is going to start for the vast majority of the season when Matt Nagy is on the hot seat after they just traded up in the draft, getting rid of their 2022 first-round pick to the New York Giants to select Justin Fields? It's not going to happen. Fields is going to see the field early. I mean, they opened the season on Sunday night football, the Bears, against the Rams. They don't want to put that kid in that situation. That's going to be Andy Dalton. It's almost like a sacrificial lamb of Andy Dalton. Justin Fields is going to have this job, and he is at an extreme value right now. And what he can do with his legs, what he's going to be able to do by the goal line with the rushing attack paired with David Montgomery, and what he can do by throwing the football at that point in the draft, that's just a smart investment. Like, I'm not going to take Matt Ryan over Justin Fields. I'm sorry. I you know, I, I don't want to do that. And you know, Jalen Hurts, he's another quarterback who can be grouped into this, but he's going significantly higher than someone like Justin Fields. Jalen Hurts might be solid because he's gonna be so much garbage time because the Eagles are going to be just atrocious. But these quarterbacks that don't provide any rushing value, they just don't interest me when there's so much upside in guys like Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And that's why I target those types of quarterbacks, especially late in drafts. Single quarterback draft, put them at one of the last bench spots that you have in two quarterback leagues, make the investment because just a couple weeks into the season, you know you're going to see Justin Fields over Andy Dalton. And similar to Trey Lance, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Trey Lance both threw interceptions in this last preseason game. They were both really, really similar. They were overthrown balls that were catchable, but the receivers didn't bring them down. And then they ended up just getting picked off by the Chargers. Just like Fields, though. Like, do we actually see Jimmy Garoppolo, someone who struggled to stay healthy, actually start for the whole season when Kyle Shanahan got his guy in Trey Lance? No, Trey Lance is going to see the field, and the guy has significant rushing upside. And yes, he's raw, so I think it might take him a little bit longer to see the field, but who knows? You know how fluky these things can be sometimes. But Trey Lance finished this game 8-14 of for 102 yards, two passing touchdowns, and and then he also 
added just one carry for eight yards, but he had a run that was called back because of a penalty as well. Trey Lance is just another freak athlete who can who can definitely do damage, and I think he's going to see the field over someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, who had that pick, but that pick, it was slightly overthrown, similar to Trey Lance. But you watch the ball come off both of these kids' hands, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, and you just see it. It's great. Trey Lance had this pass down the sidelines to Trent Sherfield, the guy that he hit for the touchdown last year. It was a 41-yard dart in the honey hole between the cover two defense. And it was just beautiful. Uh, just passed with a lot of velocity towards the sidelines at a perfect place for Sherfield to bring it down. Those are the types of things that are just going to have players like Lance and Field see the field over guys like Garoppolo and Dalton. And I just can't overlook their ADP right now. I think a lot of people are just kind of writing them off because they're not the named starter, but that's going to happen. Just make the investment in these players and you'll be happy by mid-season, probably before that. I mean, a lot of people just thought Justin Herbert's not going to see the field. It's Tyrod Taylor's team, and we all know what happened with Tyrod Taylor. That's a little bit of a strange situation, but Justin Herbert was going to see the field. Anthony Lynn wanted to keep his job. There was no way that Tyrod Taylor putting up nine points a game was going to continue to hold that position if Justin Herbert continue to dominate in practice like he reportedly was. It's not going to happen. So make those investments. And then the other two rookie quarterbacks we want to talk about, I'm not going to talk too much about Trevor Lawrence because we haven't seen his second preseason game yet. I mean, Zach Wilson, man. Zach Wilson looked good against the New York Giants and he looked good again against the Green Bay Packers and the Jets 23-14 to win over the Packers. And Zach Wilson, 9 of 11 for 128 yards and two touchdowns. And now thing about Zach Wilson, he struggled to process blitzes and exotic things that were happening on the back end of defenses while he was in college. It's not happening in preseason, so I would think that caveat is really, really important, but from everything that's put, being put in front of him right now, he's having success. And that's all you can really ask for from him. I mean, 9 of 11, that's very, very precise. And he's finding his tight ends. He's finding his running backs. He's diversifying his targets. He's not just locking in on players. And he definitely, though, did seem to have a rapport with Corey Davis, who was four for 70 on six targets. And I think that's actually pretty important because Corey Davis is somebody that no one is talking about in fantasy football. And if that rapport gets developed since Elijah Moore is still on the mend, I think Zach Wilson, Corey Davis, that could be a nice little... Uh, fantasy connection more so for Davis than Zach Wilson at this moment because the regular season is going to be a lot different than preseason but still a lot of encouraging signs and similar for Mac Jones now Wilson and Jones don't have the same rushing upside as Trey Lance Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields Wilson a little bit more than Mac Jones but Mac Jones looked pretty solid as did Cam Newton to be real against the Philadelphia Eagles who didn't even seem like they showed up, which is amazing news for the New York Giants. I mean, a 35 to nothing, just absolute beatdown by the New England Patriots. Mac Jones finished the game 13 of 19 for 146 yards, had one really, really nice pass to Gunnar Olszewski over the middle of the field for, I think it was about 21 yards, hit him in stride, tight, tight coverage, really threading the needle. I thought Jones also navigated the pocket relatively well. And then Ramondre Stevenson and J.J. Taylor just dominated on the ground. I'm not 100% certain when Mac Jones will start. I wouldn't be shocked if it's week one. Wouldn't be shocked if Cam Newton just holds that job until they really, really struggle. Like the Patriots are going to be better this year because they have all those defensive players coming back. They all opted out because 
because of COVID last season, and I think they'll just be a better football team. I don't think they're going to be as good as the Bills, but they may be somewhat comparable to the Dolphins. I love the Dolphins coaching staff. We all know how good the New England Patriots coaching staff is. It's just can they figure out that quarterback position if Cam Newton continues to struggle throwing the football and is as anemic as he was last year, Mac Jones will be there to kind of take that over, and that's much better than having Brian Hoyer, who's still on the roster, be that quarterback. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Mac Jones, but basically the real reason why I wanted to bring up these rookie quarterbacks and kind of talk about fantasy football was Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Make that investment later in your drafts, and you'll be happy by midseason. Alrighty, everybody. That will do it for Nick Filato here on Filato One Football, talking about fantasy football, talking about the Giants' loss to the Browns, and all things football right here at Big Blue View. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please check us out over there on our website, Big Blue View, and also subscribe to this channel. That would be lovely. That would be great. Please have a wonderful day. Bye-bye now. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.